Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the Channel Seed Studios. Channel Seed Studios. This is Jared and Jabo and Iowa, Iowa everywhere. Where? Jared Stansberry. Jared Stansberry. Jordan Bohannon. Jordan Bohannon. Together on Iowa everywhere. Channel Seed. Seedsmanship at work. Yo, welcome to the podcast. It's April nineteenth. What's up, Jordan? You're in California. How's California? Sunny, beautiful. You know, I was never a fan of California. My dad's actually from California. For those Iowa State fans that don't know that, he's from South Pasadena. Um, hardly ever see his family out here, but I'm here with my girlfriend. It's crazy that she, her family's from this area too. It's wild how life goes full circle, Jared. You did you visit California at this time because you know tomorrow's a holiday in the state of California? What's the holiday? Today's four nineteen. What's tomorrow? Ah, uh, I, I did not, dude. Uh no, no, <laughs> no. I've done it one. I will say this. I'm just I've saying a lot of people will be celebrating. I imagine a lot of folks out there, out west, will will in, enjoy the day. I've never taken an edible in my life, Jared. I've smoked one time in my life, and I had a terrible experience. It's crazy. It's okay. Not everybody's not everybody's up to it, you know. I, I just don't have the. Maybe it was you just had bad vibes. You were just with bad people. No, I was with great people, phenomenal people. Some would say the best people. <laughs> didn't it didn't work out for me? It's okay. It, it different strokes for different folks, you know. Everybody's different. You don't have to participate with all the folks out in California. Just just as long as you're not the guy who's like, oh. Look at these dirty ass people out here smoking weed on the street in California. Shit. As long as you're not those people, then I then I'm not going to knock you. Those dirty ass people out here on the street smoking weed—that is quite the sentence. Because you know that that's what people will be. There will be people out there that'll say that. I will say this: I uh, I'm in Palm Springs, and Coachella people are just disgusting. They're just they're gross human beings. Did you see how much people have to pay for food and stuff at Coachella? It's not even worth it. And like, no. April's like known to be really windy, so all the dust is like swirling around. I, I walk outside for five minutes. I feel like I have a pound of dust in my lungs. Where do you stand on just going to festivals in general? Stand on festivals in general. I'm not a big EDM and like pop concert guy. 
there's stagecoach i would love to go to there's country concerts in general festival like, like would you go to country thunder or uh oh. you know something like that river ruckus would yeah. love it i would love it i'm going to a zach bryan concert in august i am beyond excited that's not a that's not a festival though but you get what i'm saying yeah i've never understood the people who go out into the middle of nowhere and then spend like a week there and just get really dirty and don't take showers and just do a bunch of drugs and drink and hang out in the sun i've never gotten that one there is a little festival going on in des moines area for those des moines residents in what was it august the hit hinderland it's like hinterland yeah. yeah 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 it's uh down in uh new virginia i think you ever been to new virginia is that by clive uh, that is not by Clive. No, it is in. Uh, it's south of Des Moines. Hinterland is. I don't think Hinterland is in Des Moines. It's south oh. of Des Moines. Yeah, it's like down by like Martinsdale, that area. You see, I don't know. I don't. Know I was gonna say I don't people. imagine that you spent much time in Martinsdale. I did not travel. I did not make an expedition down to Martindale. Is that what it's called, Martindale? <laughs> yes, Martinsdale is right off of I thirty five. Yeah. I will. I did. I did make an expedition down to, uh, or over. I guess you could say the. What's the lake, outside Des Moines, by Johnston? Uh, lake Panorama, or or no. to uh, Sailorville. Say that that one. Yeah, uh, Sailorville. Sailorville. You I went on the bridge. The uh, yeah, I went on both the bridges. Really cool, cool experience. Wow, I'm glad that you were able to get that experience of going over the bridge at Sailorville. I get. I don't think you've lived until you have. Well, it's unique. Uh, not a lot of lakes. It, the lake is big. It is a big lake. It and is. There's no houses around the lake. I, I was. I think I it's really it low right now, though. Oh, really? Yeah, compared to what it normally is at this time of year, from what I understand. I, uh, I thought I read that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I was. I thought it was a really cool area. There's a little golf course on the right beside it. You can drive around. It takes forever to get around the lake, but. I guess that's why they made the bridges, Jared. I live right next to a lake, and well, not right next to it, but right near a lake on the south side of Des Moines. And uh, me and my dog were gonna walk around it one day. It was way bigger than what I realized it was. It was like six miles to walk all the way around. Yeah, it was a bad. Idea. Is that a lake? I mean, it's a good sized lake, you know. Yeah, good sized lake. What lake is it? Uh, Easter Lake. Easter Lake. Yeah, it's it's the it's one of the lesser known of the Des Moines lakes. Is it like people swimming in it or is it not safe? No, I don't think you'd want to swim in it. Okay. I don't think you'd want to swim in it. Uh, people will like paddleboard or things like that, you know, and there's like little beach areas. I guess you maybe could put your feet in. I don't think it's very deep, though, because uh, there's like, only certain kind of boats that they'll allow out there. Sounds like there might be some brain eating Aniva in there. Uh, they did actually have to drain it at one point. There oh. are, a lot of the old heads in Des Moines will say to you like, oh, is there water back in that? in that lake you know they'll remember when there was no water in it i guess not old heads that was like five years ago how do you drain a lake it's because it's man-made it's, it wasn't there originally so you just it's drain like the lake plane. and then refill it yeah they just refilled it yeah i mean it had something water. in it it had something in it that they needed to get rid of that was ruining the environment you know because people will fish on it like we could go out there right now and stand on the bridge and fish out fish off the lake. I don't know what we'd get. Maybe some sunfish or something, but nothing crazy. Some crappie. Where do where do they get the water? They just take it from somewhere else. It's probably poop water. No way. I'm just guessing. It probably is. Like recycled poop water. Yeah. Huh. That's what I would assume it is. 
Isn't that what I would think that's like what all of those man-made lakes are is or just drainage, you know, they just don't buy a bunch of Dasani water and pour it in there. (laughs) That would be better use for that water than imagine being the guy who has to go has to swim to the bottom of the lake and pull the plug. Mm. I, I just I'm curious at how like the dynamics like how it all works I'm like, sure that now that we've said this someone out there is going to explain exactly why they drained the lake how they drained the lake and why they refilled it and what they refilled it with I've definitely heard of like lakes being drained because like a invasive species or something mm-hmm. like zebra mussels I heard like I think Okoboji has zebra mussels but they're never going to drain that lake but I've heard people drain lakes because of zebra mussels yeah, I would imagine there was something in the water that they had to they had to drain it out and start over. Uh, all right, now that we've gotten through all of that, our, our in-depth breakdown of the lakes in Des Moines, uh, we do have news to talk about this week. Uh, Fran McCaffrey is mad at the transfer portal or is not happy about the transfer portal. Iowa State got another transfer. Uh, and then we got some other stories from just around the world uh, that we're going to get to as we go along. But we're going to start with Fran. Uh, I've got his comments that he made about the the transfer portal from David Eicholt. We'll hear those here, and then uh, and then we will will react. The thing that I think is really bad is that there are agents actually shopping mid major players before they go in the portal, convincing them to go in the portal, and that's disgraceful. And, and that should have been seen by the NCAA. They just screwed this thing up completely. Uh, and now they have to try to fix it. They're not going to be able to. Um, we didn't get to see Amari. All right. So where, uh, where should we start here with uh, – reacting to this well like personally i don't see anything he found that i find wrong in this statement because i know i've personally had conversations with him privately and know what his thoughts are on pay for play and players getting paid and transfer portal and all this and he makes it well known I mean, it's not like he's a private human being he mm-hmm. makes emotions and well known on what they are um you could tell he's frustrated with the tampering that's going on. You see mid-major players, a lot of mid-major players are going to get mo- made money to, to make money here in this, their last year, the last couple of years. Completely fine with that. That's how it should be. But I think there's a lot of issues right now with the transfer portal and there's guys that are being texted by Coach A or called by Coach A and – they don't they're trying to they're trying to recruit before the recruiting should be done so and that's all on the ncaa like coach coach mccaffrey's talking about there's there's a lot of loopholes there's hardly any restrictions some rules and in large part obviously blaming the ncaa and 110 percent should be their fault yeah there's nothing to do there's no way to put the genie back in the bottle at this point uh i I thought it was interesting to hear that before they're going in the portal, these agents are shopping people to that extent, I guess. Like, I, you always know that there's things going on in the back room, you know. I, but agents doing those kinds of things feels very out in the open compared to what it probably needs to be. Yeah, I mean, I, dude, I wouldn't say – how do I say this? I wouldn't say agents necessarily are – 
the main criminals out of this. I guess you could use the word criminals. Um, I mean, they're not breaking the law. Criminals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I get what you're saying. They're not necessarily breaking the law, but the culprit of what's going on, I think, I think a large part is the coaches because the coaches are the ones that are making the decisions to – no tamper I, th I think there's way more tampering incidents out there than there is agents shopping around for players so i think that's the root cause of the whole transfer portal nil issue right now um agents is just a slippery slope i always said this from the beginning when i was advocating for college athletes and the transfer portal and nil and pay for play Agents are going to be the root cause of some players not finding schools, some players not getting the promises that they thought they were given by these agents or coaches, and ultimately will either stop playing basketball or won't, won't go anywhere or you know, get in trouble for doing something the wrong way. And a lot of agents aren't in the best interest. A lot of agents, I mean, this is a, a everyone knows that a lot of agents are just in it for the money. And I think what you're seeing right now is a huge power hungry grab for this money that these agents want to be a part of they want a piece of the pie just like a lot of these people do in the nir world because it's a new market it's a it's a free market and they're just trying to figure it out and agents are realizing they can make really good money off some of these deals that are, are going upwards towards seven million or seven figures every single off season now i would think that the agents probably see the mid-major guys as easy targets too because they every made major guy on the in the country wants to move up to the power five level and if you get someone who's like oh i'm gonna help you move up to that power five level i can imagine it's really easy to get caught in the snake oil salesman aspect of that where like they might not be able to really do shit for you but they can at least but they're gonna try and sell you a bill of goods that might not be very good yeah and logically it makes sense but Co coach mccaffrey is alluding to the agents you know shopping around to these players I, th I think I saw Chris Williams say this today uh, on their clip that, you know, Coach McCaffrey did the same thing going from Siena to Iowa. You know, he signed an extension. His agent went out and found found him a new, you know, job offer, and he ultimately took it at Iowa. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, that players should be able to do the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. like they, they deserve the same fair playing field when these coaches are making so much money as well. There needs to be guardrails like there is for college coaching, the carousel. Um, I don't think it has to be the exact same way, but again, we talked about a couple of weeks ago about athletes becoming employees. That's going to solve so much when there's contracts involved with these players. There's collective bargaining rights um, th that these players can go in with, and there's going to be a lot more guardrails with the NCAA, with these universities. So, like I said two weeks ago, Jared, we talked about it. That, that that's I think that's the last step to kind of cover this all to be a little more regulated than what it is. I think that getting contracts that are pretty like uniform will be one of the big keys. You know, like a general uh, I don't know. People call them guardrails. Uh, a general template of like this is what a deal looks like and everybody can do the same kind of deals you know and it's not just like piecemealed together now you're seeing things like in texas i think even in arkansas where they made it illegal for the ncaa to pursue academic institutions for nil related infractions made it illegal 
Man, what the... F- All the things that we have to worry about in this country, and this is what we're fucking worried about, man. Like, it, it drives me crazy sometimes that this is what it's come to, you know? Yeah, and what's crazy is, is as crazy that is, that you're what you're saying, it's not crazy because you know a lot of these lawmakers and legislators... They have huge ties to yeah oh no know. like i get it yeah i get it 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 doesn't make me feel any better about it but i get yeah. it you know yeah so you know these these local legislators are going to do everything in their power because one if you think about it from an economic standpoint the better players you bring into the universities the universities are going to get continue to get insane publicity there's going to be way more revenue coming into these schools the economy in these local um, governments and these local cities are going to continue to grow because these players, like Kayla Clark, think about how much she she has generated from the University of Iowa. She's worth way more than what she's getting in at NIL, and she's bringing so much money for, for the city as a whole too. With people coming to watch her, they're going to restaurants before games, going to restaurants after games. They're spending all this money in the city. They're traveling from Des Moines to Iowa City to see her. It's like that for these these legislators are are not stupid as much as we want to call them, but they are stupid because they're focusing on this. But they realize like the more the more less I guess the less laws they can make around these athletes, the better their their universities that they hold true to their heart are going to be off. Right, and it just is it. <laughs> It's just funny because you can tell that these that the state legislators and local legislators do it specifically for like uh, uh, for competitive reasons. Yeah, you know, over doing it for real, legitimate. Like, not that that's not legitimate reason, I guess, but it just is. It it's very much we want our team to be better than yours, so we're gonna take as many of the stops out as we possibly can. Whether that's you know in Florida where they've made it, you know I think they made a, their, one of their laws was one of the first ones, and then they've edited it, edited it like five or six different times since then because people in other states are doing something, and they're like, oh, we need to be able to do this as well, you know, and it's just like a constant churn of like always changing our law because it's like. Like someone else is figuring out a way to work around their own law, you know, and I don't know. When does the cycle of that end? You know, right. like yeah, at what point? And another example is that uh, NCPA, who I still work part time for, the National College Player Association, um, Ramogi Huma just worked on a bill that um, we're helping try to pass in California for pay for play college athlete protection act, and a lot of it will. Um, put some employee status on these athletes in the in the state of california so similar to what happened with nil when california passed the first nil law i don't know if you recall that they were the Mm -hmm. first state to do it and everything followed after that because you know those what you exactly you're saying those legislators they don't want to be far behind from their colleagues in the office when they're bragging rights on what the university is doing like they want to be involved of making it about themselves right and making them about themselves is they want their schools to excel at the highest level and um i think this uh, if this get passed in california the, the college athlete protection act i mean we're going to start looking at employee status for a lot of these schools because exactly what you just said about legislators wanting to brag about their teams and let's not let's not forget where this is the most important for these people or where they feel this is most important for these people. And that's on the campaign trail, continuing to get themselves elected makes it, it looks good. Look what I did for college athletics for college athletes, you know, and, uh, 
sometimes like some of those things might be kind of hollow but you know at least they're trying i can appreciate that uh at the end of the day um all right, but on the other flip side of the transfer portal, Iowa State did get another transfer this week. Curtis Jones, a guard from Buffalo. Iowa State's roster is now set after uh, adding three transfers during this period. Three guys, double-figure scorers from uh, from lower-level leagues. Uh, guys average three assists a game or more. Uh, what I had you, I sent you the videos. I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch them, but what did you see from uh, from any of this? What do you think of these guys that Iowa State is bringing in? Uh, I'm forgetting. I'm blanking on the last guy's uh, UNLV transfer's last name. Uh, uh, Gilbert. Uh, Gilbert. Keyshawn yeah. Gilbert, yeah. The only problem I have is, like, Curtis Jones, he, this looks like a, a perfect TJ recruit, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's he's not – I mean, he's kind of ball-dominated, but he can shoot the crap out of the ball. He's able to dribble in the paint. He looks like he's a very smart player. He's not in a rush. He's crafty. Um, I think Curtis, Curtis might be – the most important recruit he got because it looks like he fits the play style of Iowa State. The only problem with the UNLV transfer is he looks like he's very, very ball dominated compared to Curtis. So that's why I think Curtis is going to be probably the, he might get a lot more playing time, especially with, I mean, you got to think about who's already on the Iowa State roster, right? Mm-hmm. You got Lipsy. Lipsy should have the ball all the time. Like we talked about it already after the season. When you have a guy like uh, – I'm spaced on his name again. You Gilbert. Keyshawn Gilbert. Gilbert, yeah. Yeah, when you have a guy like that looks very ball-dominant and you have a guy already that's established on your team, you want a guy like Curtis, right? You want a guy that's a flamethrower, that's shooting the crap out of the ball all over the place. He'll make smart decisions in the paint. It looked like Gilbert from his highlights. I've never – I haven't watched a lot of his film, but it seems like Gilbert's a lot more ball-centric and wanting to get to the paint – I saw him shoot one left-handed layup. I think I think the scouting report's going to be out on him, and the Big Twelve push push the guy left. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think Curtis and even the Wofford transfer, the Wofford transfer shoots the crap out of the ball too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Pavletsky. Yeah, Pavletsky. Yeah, yeah. I, I just worry about. I mean, you're seeing here he's very ball pick and roll dominated. He's driving in the paint, not that big of a threat from the outside. Always going right. So. He did. He did shoot about. Uh, I think he shot thirty six percent from three, but I'm not sure on how many attempts it was. Yeah. Uh, I think at the end of the day, though, like the thing that I like about it is it. It feels like they got. They definitely located a need, and went and got three guys that they thought filled their need. You know, and I think that when you can get three guys who are pretty proven scorers at the mid-major level uh, and have played at a high level, like at an Iowa State where you're not going to be playing the biggest NIL game, you know, with the Blue Bloods and things like that, it's hard to be too upset about it. You know, you get three guys that you feel can come in and make a contribution for you and, and fit into what you're trying to do. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. They got what they wanted. I, I just and they're young. About... They're all three of them will be so- or, uh, are sophomores or juniors. So, right. Yeah. I just think Curtis and Pavelowski are going to be probably the better outcome for Iowa State. Not saying Gilbert is not going to contribute, but guy, when you have guys that you're looking for to score the ball, those two are kind of what you're looking towards to help your offense. And Gilbert probably is going to be the better defender of the two. So maybe that's what's going to get him on the floor. But it's really going to be where TJ wants this Iowa State team right. to be. Do you want to be a top five defense in a 
top 150 offense or do you want to be a top 30 defense and a top you know 50 offense it's it, it, it there's going to be opportunity costs with either one they're going to have the pieces to be a lot better offensively i mean you bring in these three guys and then you got uh omaha Baloo and mom uh, milan momsilovich and trey king like they're going to be much more versatile i think one through five than what they have been these last two years guys that where everybody out there will be a legitimate threat uh, which has not always been the case Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm totally blanked on Omaha coming in too. He's probably going to be starting from day one. Mm-hmm. So that's even more reason why I think they want to surround shooters around him and Lipsy. Uh, they have a pretty, they have established front court already. It's really just finding those shooters to make the offense go to create room for Lipsy to create room for Omaha. And I think that, that Curtis kid looks like he's going to be a really, really great get for Iowa state. He, uh, he isn't like the most athletic guy. Like Gilbert, you see kind of his speed. He turns the corner when he's able to get that corner. Like he's he's strong with it. But Jones is crafty. He reminds me of uh, when I first started watching him. He reminded me of watching Jaron Holmes when he was coming from St. Bonaventure, where the craftiness in the lane, like you're not the most athletic guy, but you're able to get to your spot and you're able to finish. Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good comparison. I also think he plays a lot like Cassius Winston from Mm -hmm. the little i watched him i think he's very very smart on where he wants to go with the ball he doesn't force his spots but if he gets to his spots he's really really killer for sure yeah i think iowa state i don't know if they're like they might be a borderline top 25 team going into next year like i could see them getting votes you know i don't know if they'll be ranked though uh but i thought a really good off season for otzelbergers uh, and his staff uh should be interesting to see as we as we move along here this summer uh all right i've got a, a couple interesting stories here for you that i found uh we have the new youngest american-born professional basketball player have you heard about this i haven't uh dink pate is his name he's a 17 year old point guard in the 2024 recruiting class was the number 25 player in the class uh, and had 37 offers uh, to go and play uh, at the college level decides to sign with the g league ignite and uh will play two seasons for the g league ignite and then won't be eligible for the nba draft until 2025 but he's 17 years old he's going to finish high school as a professional wow Dink? Is he... I've got highlights of him, too. I'll pull those up. Is he American? He is. Yeah, he is American. He's the he's the youngest-born... Ameri- or youngest American-born professional basketball player of all time, apparently. 6'8 shooting guard as a 17-year-old. Whoa. Oh. You, don't, you don't see that every day. Okay, here we go. I mean, he's, it's one shot, but what is his, what was that defense? AU is like the dumbest thing, dude. Yeah, I mean, watching highlights of AU basketball, it actually is. <laughs> it makes me want to throw up. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I went to uh, one of the EYBL events down in Kansas City last year, and I didn't play AAU, so, like, I'm still kind of new, I guess, to, like, the entire AAU uh, way of life but man it is rough out here sometimes in some of these programs you know you have no idea what some of these guys are learning it's crazy too because when i was going through aau like the circuits like eybl under armor league you like you you thought that was like the best basketball ever and mm-hmm. now you look back you're like oh my gosh what was i thinking right 
it's funny to think that people get recruited off of that you know yeah like how people can have one big day or something like that and it's like you play some random team that you know for you know whatever reason they're beefing or something like that and you just get to have a big day you know and then some days like you'll show up and it's just like the coaches just won't play people and you're like (laughs) you're like what the hell like i thought this was supposed to be opportunities for people to just get better and we're like out here trying to win this like random event in kansas city you know we're gonna put plant everybody's asses down on the bench i'm not saying it needs to be like the little league world series while where all 12 guys got to get in the game but that feels like what it should be if it's being used for the right thing yeah, and some of those AAU coaches too, Jared, are like so psycho. They take it like oh they're a high-level college coach making millions of dollars. Like, dude, you're coaching some 16-year-olds that one might have the most smallest chance ever to make it to the NBA. You'll like, see a wow. dude out there in a grubby uh, plain white T-shirt with a pair of cargo pants and like sandals on, and he's coaching like it's game seven of the NBA Finals. Dude, the, the the memories I had of playing AU, it was one of the best times of my life traveling on a charter bus, like with my AU team across the country and playing these tournaments in the summer. But man, looking back on some of the memories I have of these games. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen in an AU tournament? Uh, well, I have two. One was for my brother, Jason, my oldest brother. He's playing the New York Gauchos and uh disneyland one of the it was one of my favorite tournaments to go to is aau nationals and my brother jason is still i mean obviously i'm biased but he was one of the he is the best high school basketball player i've ever seen in my life and he probably had like 52 on these new york gauchos team and they're really good really really good aau team they shake hands and it was like a it was like a dog fight the entire game like you could tell like they had some beef after the game after handshake lines and i i kid you not uh there's an interaction between jason and this player and i guess he said he had a gun and like teams like hit the door and like security had to come on the floor and escort the team out and our families and uh, we had to get out of Disneyland, like the, it's called the Milk House area, where there's a bunch of uh, AU basketball games, and it was it was insane. Like police showed up, like we were trying to get out. New York Gauchos were like following us, and they're like <laughs> families were going back and forth, dude. It was it was like the most cringe thing ever. Now looking back on over an AU basketball game, um, that was at Disneyland. Yeah, it, where they held AAU Nationals. I don't know if they still do it. Disneyland or Disney World in Florida? Oh, Disney. It's in Florida. Whatever. Okay, yeah. So at Disney World, yeah. Yeah, Disney World. Yeah, that one. Man, it's supposed to be the happiest place on earth. What the hell? It wasn't, it wasn't for the New York Gauchos. Um, the second one, dude, we played Mac Irvin Fire. And people that don't know AAU basketball, Mac Out of Chicago. Fire, yeah. yeah, notorious for um basketball like their their team is normally nike uibl team like they're always on the circuit there and and they're uh the people who lead the program are very uh how do we put this involved uh they have they have a lot of gang ties and yes yes uh folks who remember taylor horton tucker uh coming to iowa state will remember mac irvin fire and and the controversy with him yeah um we were an EY, eybl qualifier in minneapolis and we were playing mac Irvin fire winner went to the peach jam to um qualify for the eybl status for next year 
So it was a very intense game. They they had like Charlie Moore, uh, Norvell, if I, if I if I remember his last name correctly. They had like two other guys that are playing professionally now. Really, really unbelievable team. Charlie Moore was people. Now that we've understood that they have gang ties, Charlie Moore was like their prodigy. Like they, he was a protected individual. In he that. played at every school they had in their network, yeah. basically. Yeah. And his handlers has connections to all these blue bloods that will get him wherever he wants. He had the incident with Iowa where he asked for this money to go to Iowa and that didn't work out. So all that happened, but we played Macker and fire. They got up like 35. I'm not even exaggerating. They were up 35 points in the first half and a typical AU game. We came back and we brought it within six Cordell Pemsel being Cordell Pemsel. The game was into it. The family Macker and fire. I don't know if they were family member, parents or handlers, gang members that were involved with people. I don't know. There was definitely some ties there. And Charlie Moore goes up for a layup in the middle of the paint. It's like end of the second half. We just made a huge comeback. Cordell Pemsel goes straight up and then it goes straight down on Charlie Moore. Charlie Moore hits the floor as hard as that point guard's ever. No, I was to say, Charlie Moore's not a big guy. So Charlie yeah. Moore's not a big guy. Cordell Pemsel is a huge guy. Yeah. Smacks the floor. Families run on the court. The head coach of Macker and Fire ran over to Cordell, grabbed the basketball from him, started cussing out, pouring him in the, in, in the face. Five minutes went by of screaming and shouting and people being broke up from fighting. Security came on the floor. Police were called. They for, uh, refs called the game, forfeited the game. I don't know how we get the loss for it because they had their whole city of Chicago on, this, on, the, on the court at this point. And we had to be escorted off the floor. Our families had to be protected by police. Like, we're walking out of eight. This is an AU basketball game, Jared. And I'm like, this is the second time something like this has happened in my life in an AU basketball game. Man, all I heard is Cordell Pemsel started a scuffle. And in the back of my mind, I thought, so you're telling me that the scuffle in Iowa City might not have been a Steve Prohm problem? Oh, it was a Steve Prohm problem. This was a Charlie Moore problem. Oh, no, this sounds like Cordell Pemsel. It sounds like it's much more in character for him to get in the scuffle than a Steve Prohm well, was. I, to defense to Cordell, anyone that's played Macker and Fire knows they are very dirty. How they play is very, very dirty. So I left out a lot of parts of little scuffles. <laughs> of the scuffle, yeah. this. But, man, it was – I actually have a video of it. One of my good friends, Billy Brown, he lives in the Western Iowa area. I still, I still connect with him today. He sent a video like 24 hours later, and it was his dad filming me. I was like, way to go, Cordell. We lost our UIBL status. <laughs> Oh man! Well, imagine going from that at 17 to playing uh, in the G League, like Dink Pate. Uh, Dink Pate is about to do. Two props to the kid. That takes some balls to go straight to professional. What What's the challenge of being 17 years old playing against those guys? You obviously just played at that level this year. Well, when you're that young. Yeah, I you mean, just the development. Yeah, yeah. Development first off. Two what you think you know about the game of basketball you don't no matter what your family has said and i mean i think that's the main thing you're 17 years old you don't even have your own life figured out hey. so I, well, that's why i think they're it's smart the nba has what they have mm-hmm. 
to have the G League Ignite program just to be able to, in, you know, bring kids into the situation, ease them in, you mean? Yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, I I think it will be interesting to see how many more people do this, you know. I mean, if, if they're going to start identifying people at 17 years old and, and signing them to deals, then I imagine that there will be more and more who who do go that route at the end of the day because they're, they're going to start catching people earlier. Yeah, and you look at a guy like Scoot Henderson who was uh, – he played in G League United this year, and he's going to be a number two pick. I think yeah. it'd be cool if these guys could go – if they could go when they're – if like if he could go when he's 17 – and if he goes for a year and it doesn't work out, and then he could still go play in college. Yeah. I think that would be cool. That kind of ties in everything we were just talking about in the beginning. I think once employee status hits, I think stuff like that will be on the table. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, I guess it just got to continue to work its way there. All right. I got a couple of random uh, news stories here for you. Um, this one comes from the state of Texas. The headline, police came to pull a Jeep out of a lake. They found a woman inside alive. Uh, it started with a call from a fisherman who said he saw what looked, this is from NPR, uh, who said he saw what looked to be a black Jeep virtually submerged in a large lake in Marion County, Texas. Not until later, after a tow truck came, did anyone realize that someone was inside the vehicle and that they were still alive? Uh this happened at 8.15 in the morning, and the person in the car had been reported missing at 12.30 the previous night and ex- and lived. They don't know exactly the details. They don't know how the car got into the lake. They know that she was in there for an undisclosed amount of time and was able to survive being stuck inside of a lake after crashing her car into it. How incredible is that? This is in Texas? Yeah. Man, people in Texas are different. They're yeah. just different. That's what it comes down to. Built different. You can survive inside of your car for X number of hours. I mean. How is that possible? She had to have been passed out or something, right? Yeah, she was having an early celebration of 420 and <laughs> took a couple edibles. <laughs> Ends up in the lake. What can you do? Hey, at yeah. least they saved her. Yeah. 420. What a holiday. <laughs> No kidding. <laughs> what happened on your 420? Oh, I drowned myself in my Jeep in the lake. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. This one comes from Philadelphia. Uh, the headline, this is from the AP, Philadelphia truck break-in ends in parking lot dime heist. Thieves may have not been counting on finding a mountain of change when they broke into a truck filled with $750,000 in dimes, but they still made off with a chunk of the cargo and left coins scattered around a Philadelphia parking lot, authorities say. Authorities say the thieves apparently fled with with at least $100,000 of dimes. It is not yet known how they carted off the mountain of dimes. Uh... But they, you know, show this whole thing. So I, I did the math. Obviously, one hundred thousand dollars worth of dimes is one million dimes. Yeah. That's exactly one. Th- that's exactly one hundred thousand uh, dollars. Each dime weighs about two point two grams. So that would mean that one million dimes is roughly five thousand pounds of dimes, which I don't know how you're able to carry that off without anybody noticing. How do you tra- yeah, how do you transport that? This is like some Batman shit, dude. Like something that a Batman villain would do. And I mean, can we talk about one million dimes is absurd. How do you even cash it? 
Where you go increment? You just go to. The, you just take it to the coin store. Oh, here. I, hey, I have a million dimes. I've been collecting my whole life. You see, I've got this jar right here. You just fill this up. How many dimes do you think this can hold? Dimes, I would probably say a lot. Five thousand. Five thousand dimes. All right. Well, only nine hundred ninety-five thousand to go. For the jars, right? Yeah. Well, well that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's all. If you get five thousand dimes into one jar, then that's only nine hundred ninety-five thousand dimes left to go. You only have to make however many more trips, you know, to the coin star. That's. Just, I mean, that's a lot of trips, though. You're gonna need like a whole city. Oh yeah, and I imagine that there's probably a limit on the amount that you can do in the coin store. Like I can't imagine you can get five hundred dollars worth of dimes. No, I can't imagine you can take it to a bank and they accept more past a hundred dimes. Like, what the fuck are they gonna do with dimes? Especially ones you? that are unrolled. You know. Right. No one no one's going to a bank anymore to get change. No. Like, hey, can I have a hundred thousand dimes? You you got any dimes over there? Unreal. You gotta get rid of them somehow. I don't know. I guess they can just chip away at it. Hundred thousand dollars though worth of dimes. That's it's pretty incredible. Uh, Aren't we at like a point in society too where change is just becoming non-existent? Yeah, I mean part? we're getting closer. I still use cash. I, I carry cash, but Do you? Yeah, I rarely ever have cash. Yeah, I think it's just uh, everybody has their own. You know, I like I don't know. I like carrying cash. I'm curious to see what our audience who listens to us, uh, what they do. Because What I, idea do you have to get rid of your million dimes and convert it into other currency? Oh, I was just going to say who carries cash anymore, but that one too. That, that too. I wonder if you could deposit it. You show up at the bank, you've got, like, that probably raises a red flag, you know. Can you even go to the ATM, like a uh, remote ATM and cash change somewhere? No, that's what I'm saying. You'd have to take it to coin, like to a, a change counter, that would then cash it out, and then you would have the money and get rid of the the dimes. I wonder if they have like markings on the dimes or anything that they would ever be able to catch who did it. Because if they if if there's nothing out there that signifies like what the dime is or like where the dime came from, this might be a genius heist. Frankly, yeah. How is this traceable? Because no one wants a dime. Right. No one wants those dimes anyway. Yeah. Poor dimes. This reminds me of my brother when I I saved up all this money in my piggy bank when I was like seven years old and I came home and he took my piggy bank and cashed it in and flaunted the money in my face. Did he break it or did he just? No, he just took, he took my piggy bank. He said, I owe the money. Seven years old, Jared. I lived, I lived a tough childhood. You did. You did. All right. You've got one story for us. Uh, folks are angry about the plus-sized airline passengers. We need rights for the plus-sized airline passengers. Tell us more. There's this Instagram influencer, um, J Bay Productions. Um, I'm not going to share the screen, but I'll read it off here. Try holding the last year and before I'm done. She goes, let's just keep it real. People can't stand to see fat people happy. My posts over the last few months have been flooded with hate comments. Comments telling me that I'd better buy two seats if I fly. Comments telling me that if I buy two seats, it's selfish. Comments telling me that plus-size people should just stay home. No matter what we do, someone is mad. 
someone might as well do exactly what we want to do. We only get this one life to live, and I'll be damned if I spend it sad and hate my life or body. Nobody should have to live like that. I will never encourage someone to spend life hidden away to appease someone on the internet who takes away out of their day to spread hate. And she goes on and on about plus size hate and um, pretty much. Yeah, I, I agree with the general sentiment that she's at at this point. Yeah. Yeah, but and then she then it goes on about a petition wanting plus size people to get two seats on a plane for free. I want the free leg room. I want the leg room on a, on a plane for free because I didn't choose to be six foot seven. And that that's my argument. I'm like, okay, what about the people that are six nine? Or do do they get their plus size people? All plus size, all plus size people should get. I'm with her. I'm on the movement. You are on the movement. I'm on the movement. I want my own seat. I want two seats every time. Um. Okay. Or I want, sh- or I want the seat. You know the the exit row seat that they have where they don't have a seat in front of it. I want that seat every time. I'm gonna be honest. I'm, I'm sharing something here. This is this is who you're. Uh, on a movement with. Oh boy. I can so, go. I got you. We're not talking about someone that's just a slightly like this isn't healthy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be rude, but people that know me, I'm straightforward. How are we gonna argue that you personally should get an extra seat? because she deserves it that's what she's basically saying i mean she's she's, everybody deserves to be accepted yeah i mean i i don't know that kind of goes against general like business practices (laughs) are we we really at a point of society jared where we have to guilt the airlines into giving people two seats where we're guilting a business for not giving you something for free when you're overweight that's where we are now hey i got an idea I've seen. Hey, pick me. I have an idea. I'm, I don't want to pick you. I know what your pick idea me. is. You're gonna say something mean. I know. I, you're I have an idea. You. I know you're gonna say something mean. All right, I'm gonna go anyway. You didn't call my hand. Maybe just work out and lose some weight so you don't have to ask for an extra seat. I knew you were gonna say that. I knew you were gonna say something mean. And yeah, maybe it's mean, but hey, I'm straightforward and I say the truth. Oh, yes, goodness. yes. I will say this. There's some people that struggle because there's pre-existing conditions. I agree with that, but a lot of people, Jared, or you could just buy first class. Like, I don't know. Those seats are bigger, you know, or just continue buying two seats and don't say anything about it. I think a lot of times, a lot of our, uh, the things that like people get mad at each other about could be solved. If we all just made the decision that we're not going to put, bring up or put out there publicly, everything that pisses us off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're literally, we're getting baited into bringing it up. Yeah. That's what we're doing here. See now, now we're going to get somebody out there who's going to be like, Oh, you guys are jackasses. Cause you brought this up, you know? I don't have a problem with people calling call me a jackass for being rude, for calling out something. I'm calling a spade a spade right now, Jared. You're calling out what you it. consider to be an injustice. Yeah. Yeah. You don't deserve something because you personally made life choices to impact your life in a negative matter. I agree with you there. She, I, she could have got a cliff bar. She got a Snickers bar. That, that was, that's step one. <laughs> 
she probably has millions of followers and they're gonna find this and we're just gonna get roasted we're gonna get non-fat shamed yeah oh my gosh it's all right i'll, I'll handle i'll handle the trolls jared all criticism is directed at what's your twitter jbo underscore three I'll, I'll get my Snickers bar and start waving it. Oh my God! Just like a sword. We'll have a, we'll have a Snickers off. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast this week. <laughs> it was really great. It was really great. We started off so strong, and then we ended here. We ended here. All right. I'll talk to you next week, man. Yeah. Iowa everywhere.